Finnovate showcases cutting-edge banking and financial technology through a global conference series featuring short-form demos and thought leadership. Now, the conversation continues on the Finnovate podcast. Hi, and welcome to the Finnovate podcast. Joining me today, we have Mike DeVere, CEO of Zest AI. Mike, thank you so much for taking the time today. Thanks for having me, Greg. So we'll get into a little bit about you know alternative credit decisioning and pieces like that in just a moment. But to start, can you just take 60 seconds and give our listeners a little bit of background on yourself and what Zest is all about? Sure. Um, again, you know, Mike DeVere, CEO of Zest AI over the last few decades, I've been involved in organizations from on one end, J.D. Power to Nielsen, but every to the Harris Poll. Each of them has really been about transforming data into insights. Um, and here at Zest, you know, our technology really is about automating underwriting through more accurate and inclusive lending insights. All of that is made possible with AI. Yeah, and no, I think most of our listeners will at least be, hopefully anyway, generally aware of how AI can help kind of that credit decisioning process. But can you give us a quick take on why this is an area where AI in particular is able to do things that you know regular human beings can't do? Well, the, the current credit system is failing America. I mean, if, if we think about it, it's been in place for, what, 40 years. It's a blunt instrument where you're trying to take a score, an industry score that's created for the entire nation. Uh, and make uh, local decisions off of it for a credit union or a bank or what have you. I think this, the second issue uh, that AI is able to handle is around people who are left out, frankly, of the entire credit system. You're talking about 47 million Americans are left out of the credit system. And so where AI comes in is you're able to consume more data and apply this better math to really have this higher fidelity image of a borrower. And so, you know, I think of it in context of if you were to ask my mama, you know, describe Mike and you, but you only gave her the ability to to say 10 to 15 things about me. Well, that's the current credit system. It's a point in time. It's 10 to 15 points of data that comes up and we boil human beings down to a number. But what we know is that through the power of AI, humans can be more. Than a number. It can actually be a lending insight where you're seeing a broader picture. You're consuming more data. I mean, heck, I think of some of our models that have a thousand different signals in it. Imagine knowing a thousand points of data about me. I mean, you probably would never want to do that, but um, if you did, <laughs> you would really have a high fidelity image of me and you'd understand if I'm a good bet or a bad bet as far as giving me a loan. Yeah, I'm still struggling with the idea of what 15 things would my mom say. I'm still caught up on that. (laughs) No, um, I'm sure I'm sure it would be all positive. But no, I think I think the data side of it's really an interesting one because we have so much data that's accessible now. And and so I think partly what you're talking about is just the the nature of the information that we have at our disposal. Um, Can you talk a little bit about how you go about organizing all that data? Because I think this is an area where banks and and other fintechs or FIs sometimes struggle um, understanding what they know, first of all, and then understanding how they can make sense of of all those data points. That's right. That's right. So I, I think organizations can fall in love with this idea that I need massive data lakes and massive amounts of information uh, to really support my AI to help with this auto decisioning. And what we know 
is that's just not true. Um, you know, we're able to, and we've learned over the last, geez, decade and a half, uh, by perfecting the use of AI in underwriting, is that raw trade line data uh, actually gives you a ton of signal. And so we can take those 80 or so variables from the credit bureaus and feature engineer over 10,000 variables to consider uh, for a customer's custom model. Now, there's the other side of the spectrum that says, I want a ton of data. I want to include social media data. I want to include this. The issue you're going to start running into is first, is is there really a marginal lift in accuracy? That's a question. Second is, are you actually adding more bias to the model itself? And so, you know, if you're doing a student loan model and you want to ask somebody what university they ended up graduating from, whether it be Harvard versus Howard, well, that's pretty much a great proxy for race. Uh, and you're going to run into some real issues. Um, and not only hurting the American consumer, but just adding bias within your decisioning process. So the data you use matters, and you have to be purposeful about it. And so in short, I would say Equifax, Experian, TransUnion, the bureau data that we get, the raw bureau data that we get, has a ton of signal. Yeah, you make a great point, too, about being intentional about which types of data you want to incorporate, because some of that data does contain biases, which even if you're not as a human being consciously trying to bring them in by selecting the wrong data points, you can unconsciously bring in that bias, um, which you are trying to avoid as a part of this process. So I think that's a really uh, crucial piece for everybody to just kind of be thinking about as they go through this. Um, I want to turn to Zest specifically now, um, and I should start, I, I've actually been remiss, I should have mentioned, you know, in 2021, you guys won the Finnovate Award for the best use of AI and, and ML, so congratulations for that, um, for Ooh, the work wrong. that you're doing. And Yeah, there you go. Yeah. Um, and I can tell you, it was a really competitive category in 2021, a huge number of people kind of put their names forward saying, we're doing amazing things with AI and ML. Um, and you guys rose to the top. So I, I'm just curious, you know, from, from your perspective, what do you think separates what you're doing from what others are doing in the AI space? Well, I think, you know, first off, we've been perfecting the use of AI since 2009. So before many of these companies were even an idea or a, a, a twinkle in the founder's eye, we were already doing leveraging AI and underwriting. And so what that's done for us as an organization is we've learned a lot and how to safely and soundly deploy these things. And we've also learned how to develop highly performant models. And so I already, we already talked about data, but let's actually talk about, you know, how you differentiate yourself or how Zest differentiates itself within the market as far as how it builds models. Well, we don't do a one size fits all. Um, and so there's not one single model that everybody taps into in the nation um, because, you know what, you lose a lot of performance. I had the opportunity to be uh, out with Hawaii USA. Uh, Greg Young, the CEO there, has been a customer for a number of years, and they've been a real pioneer and advocate for the use of AI and underwriting. And he was sharing with me that he's so proud of their application of their custom Zest AI model uh, because he's able to serve his community, which has a higher percentage of Pacific Islanders and Asian American than are present on the mainland. And so if you think about the process that we go through to build our models, we're actually tailoring it for Hawaii USA, the communities they serve, their members. Because I think if you were to talk to somebody from New York City and you were to put them next to somebody from Waikiki, 
you probably pick up some behavioral differences between <laughs> those two. And so why wouldn't you want your AI to learn from that? And so, you know, I think that's one significant uh, differentiator. I think the other area where we set ourselves apart is that we're purposeful about how we build our models to ensure that they are more inclusive, that they're more inclusive uh, than any prior model that bank or financial institution may have had in place. So that's not lip service. That's not a headline. We are purposeful about the data we use, the signals we include, but then how we optimize and refine that model afterwards so that we can squeeze as much out of it as far as performance, but always with an eye towards making sure that every American gets a fair shot at affordable credit. Yeah, absolutely. And I mean, in most cases, it's not going to be you know, a literal island that separates you know, one community from another. But the the general principle still remains the same that you know, understanding the ins and outs of the people you're working with on a day in day out basis, whatever your community means. And we're in a point right now where the word community when it comes to banking is changing. It's no longer necessarily a geographic community. It can be a digital banking community that's joined by a common ideology or um, a, a unique set of experiences. And so this word community is, is definitely shifting, but understanding the community as an entity on its own is, is really vital. And I love the, the hearing you talk about it in that sense. That's where the technology comes in, though, is, I mean, if you think of uh, our first model we built many years ago took, I think, 14 months. Uh, our current time to build a model is 10 minutes. 10 wow. minutes hands on keyboard. And so why is that important and why does that differentiate us in the marketplace is because we're able to tailor a model far more than anyone else. Um, and so the model that City uses uh, or Freddie Mac or Truist, which are all customers of Zest, um, is way different than the one that's at a Hawaii USA or all in credit union in Alabama. Um, they're all tailored specifically to their unique needs, their unique community. Absolutely. Uh, I'm curious about your customers, um, and just the types of financial institutions that you work with. Are there specific, you know, sizes or types of FIs that you think are a better fit for this kind of tool? So, so we actually cut our teeth on the largest financial institutions and GSEs. I named a few of them earlier there. Um, and we learned a ton. Those are the most, again, highly regulated, the scrutiny with which we had to go through with how we built that model. And uh, we're very proud of our work there. Uh, I will tell you that our explosive growth has really come from the mid-market, um, where we've taken a technology that was once only accessible to the largest financial institutions, but through our automation, our scaling and efficiency, we can now price it at a level that you know, your average credit union and an average community bank can afford. Yeah, I think that's a really big change. And it's kind of shifting across the fintech ecosystem. You're certainly not alone um, in, in being able to make those tools a little bit more accessible to those financial institutions, but also the appetite on the side of the financial institutions to come out and get those tools is, is really increasing dramatically from what we're seeing, at least. Um, and, and this is actually brings me to my next question, because I talk to people from financial institutions, and a lot of them understand they need to embrace technologies like this. They understand that there's a potential you know, business opportunities, reduction of risk, and things like that that's out there. But they struggle when it comes to figuring out which of the companies that are out there are the ones that they should be engaging with. Now, obviously, you're going to have a little bit of a, a bias here, and I accept that. But are there any particular indicators that FI should be looking for as they decide who they'd like 
like to do business with in this space? Well, I think, you know, in particular with AI underwriting, you're going to be looking for three different things is you're going you're going you're going to want to see a fintech that has a demonstrated past as well as a, is able to demonstrate in the present for you and your financial institution the ability to build a smart AI solution. Listen, my my daughter just graduated from Cal. She can build you a machine learning model. But she doesn't have 15 years of experience and over 40 patents that that would inform her of how to make the smartest AI model. And so that's something that's empirical, that your partner that you choose should be able to demonstrate for you. I think the second area, uh, something that's important and on mission for Zest, is they need to have a demonstrated ability to create a more inclusive uh, lending system and uh, AI underwriting system. And so by inclusion, I mean, you know, every member, every credit union gets that fair shot. And so inclusion matters. I think the third area then would be, uh, can they demonstrate uh, an ability uh, to generate efficiency within your organization? So one of the other benefits that a lot of organizations forget to talk about is they talk about increase in approvals, decrease in risk. But they lose the fact that you're able to auto decision. And so the average credit union currently in the US will report that they auto decision, meaning I put in a loan and I get an immediate decision back. About 20% of the decisions get auto decision. Our mature customers are at 80 to 90% auto decisioning, which creates a massive efficiency or resource efficiency gain for that organization. It gives them the ability to take those resources and put them on other higher value activities. Now, the other byproduct of that is that you've got happier customers because what we know sure. from a, rec a recent Harris poll that we conducted is that 74% of the American public would like a decision in less than a second. Yet, what we know when we surveyed uh, uh, financial executives, over 80% of them said that it takes them over 30 minutes to get a decision. Could you imagine how frustrating that is for that end consumer? Oh, totally. And this is one of those areas where the expectations are just gonna keep getting higher and higher. And we've seen that shift as well. Um, we are approaching the end of our time and I wanna end by by zooming way out here. You know, we've talked a little bit about inclusion, about the idea of a more equitable credit decisioning process. Um, at, at a really high level, how will we know when the credit decisioning process we're using is, is fair, quote unquote? Is that even possible? Is that something that that is an attainable goal? So, I, you know, I think that, um, so yes, it's attainable. Of course it's attainable. You know, we as, um, you know, an industry, but also as an American public have to demand that, that, that each member, each customer is evaluated based off their credit history, not based off of some proxy for their gender or their race or immigration status that has to be completely vacated from that decision process. And so it's one of those things, honestly, Greg, that we have to like pound our fist on the table and say, we can do better. We will not accept this. Um, what is wildly frustrating for me is that there's a lot of grandstanding and a lot of people who are talking about it and pretending but not actually doing and demonstrating that they're actively making a difference in society. And so, you know, I have great hope 
I'm out on the road uh, just about every week talking with customers or prospective customers. This is a top issue still, whether you're in you know uncertain financial times or in a boom economy. Um, this is still a top issue. So financial institutions want to make a change. The question is, is will they have the right technology to do so? And that's where Zest comes in. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think from my standpoint, just looking at the number of people who are left on the sidelines, and if you even if you only look in the United States, I think you said 47 million is just a That's shocking right. number. If you expand that globally, the, the problem becomes ridiculous. Just the sheer volume yeah. of people who have no access to even basic credit is something which... Um, you know, at least we see a lot of people working on, you know, maybe 10 years ago, you didn't see people actively engaging with the space to the extent that you do now, but it's still such a massive problem. There's so much work that's left to be done. Um, I appreciate you taking the time to talk to me about what you've been working on and where you're coming from with Zest. It's clear you guys are doing really strong work. And I uh, look forward to seeing what comes out of your continued evolution in this area. So Mike, thank you so much again for joining me. It's been a real pleasure. Thanks, Greg. Looking forward to continuing the discussion. The Finnovate podcast is produced by Informa Connect in association with Provoke.fm Media. Check out Finnovate.com for information on Finnovate's upcoming shows and to learn how you can get involved. The discount code Finnovate Podcast will save you 20% on tickets to all of our events. And you can email us at info at for information on sponsoring, speaking, or demoing. Thanks for listening.